This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. This is the Mark Madden Unfiltered Podcast from the Bet Rivers Network. Welcome to another edition of the Mark Madden Podcast on the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. Uh, before I bring on my co-host, Tom Offerman, let's go straight to the top three. It's the top three bands I hate the most. Number three, U2. A black hole of self-righteousness and way too much echo on the guitar. And these, by the way, these got to be big bands. Like, there's a lot of little bands I could make fun of, but, I mean, who cares? You don't even know who they are. Like, I love UFO, but you don't know who they are. But anyway, number three, most hated band, U2. Number two, Bruce Springsteen, phony Americana, period. John Mellencamp is what Springsteen pretends to be. Number one, with a bullet, by far, Grateful Dead, a tuneless, drug-addled abomination that goes on way too long. And uh, might I add, Dead and Company, the remnants of the Grateful Dead, just played at Star Lake here in Pittsburgh. And it took hours to get there because the drug-addled idiots left over who watched them way back when, a lot of them without tickets, just went down to party and backed the traffic way up. But I don't feel bad for those who did have tickets that barely saw any of the show because if you like the Grateful Dead you get what you deserve. Let me bring on now my co-host, uh, Tom Offerman. Tom, what bands do you hate? You know which one I really never jived with that people get you know upset at me when I say it is the Beatles. I've never been a huge Beatles fan. And I think it might have something to do with how people are overwhelmingly in love with them that I just kind of got sick of that talk. And I was like, you know what? They're not as great as everybody makes them out to be. But I've never really listened to them that much. Well, here's my knock on the Beatles. They didn't invent rock and roll. Like, that's more like Elvis Presley, Jerry Lee Lewis, Bill Haley, if you want to go back that far, Little Richard. But people like to give them credit for it, right? Right. And the other uh, way I get people to hate my opinion on the Beatles, I think by far the most boring of the Beatles, and it showed in his solo work, was John Lennon. He is boosted up as this genius, and I just don't get it. He brought his wife on board, let her scream tunelessly. Meanwhile, Paul McCartney, George Harrison, Ringo Starr... They're, they're churning out hit single after hit single, great albums, but people talk about John Lennon's genius, and I never, ever saw John Lennon's genius. I'm surprised the Foo Fighters didn't make it onto your list. I know you're not a huge fan of them, despite them being a very popular band in Americana. You know what? If I felt like uh, hitting pause on the podcast and going back and starting <laughs> over, yeah, maybe. Uh, y- you know what, though? First off, Grateful Dan Bruce Springsteen for sure or one, one two. two, yeah. And you two Foo Fighters, I've seen you two live and I walked out. Wow, that says a lot. And, and Foo Fighters, I better entertaining live. The reason I don't like Foo Fighters, 
is because I think Dave Grohl okay. betrayed the legacy of Nirvana by going into tor- totally commercial corporate rock. You two really showed their ass. This was probably around like 2012 or 13 when they released that album straight to iTunes and it just appeared in everybody's music library, even if you downloaded it, bought it or not. Like, what kind of arrogance is that? Like, everybody loves us so much. We're just going to give them a free album that shows up on their phone. To this day, I'll be driving around and some of those songs will come up on my shuffle. I can't get it off. I, I also didn't like that Grohl performs with any old timey rock star ever. Which, again, Kurt Cobain, I don't know, maybe he would have ended up doing it, but I I just don't think so. It's not in the spirit of Nirvana. No, no. Nothing Dave Grohl has done is in the spirit of Nirvana. He's just become a rock star, and and that's certainly up to him, but it's also okay for me to call him out on it. Now, moving to sports, which nominally is what this podcast (laughs) is is about, let's talk Andrew McCutcheon. Uh, is nearing 2,000 hits, which ain't 3,000 hits. How good is Kutch's career really? Um, it's not a Hall of Fame career. It's a Hall of Very Good career. He'll definitely get into the Pirates Hall of Honor. Oh, uh, obviously. I, I, that's obvious as an MVP winner for the franchise. Uh, I mean, that's a career that you will definitely hang your hat on and say that he is a legend for sure in Pittsburgh. But as far as his scope on the rest of Major League Baseball, I don't know if he'll be as impactful as a lot of people around here think he will be. Oh, in terms of MLB, no, right. not even close. Like but he kind of ranges more towards like a Todd Helton, Paul Goldschmidt type player. You know what I mean? Like not a superstar, but a really solid MVP type. Yeah, and a guy who can be the cornerstone of a pretty good team, which is yes. all the Pirates were between 13 and 15 is a pretty good team. I mean, did not win a playoff series. Their only memory in that regard is Cueto dropping the ball. Not Kutch dropping the ball, but Cueto <laughs> dropping the ball. I think Kutch was the best player during a short period of revival. So that and recency bias get him overrated. But that doesn't mean he's still not very good. Now, here's another thing that gets him overrated. Uh, excuse me, that proves him overrated. The Pirates outfielders that are definitely better all-time are Clemente Bonds, Willie Stargell, Dave Parker, Ralph Kiner, and Paul Wehner. All definitely better than Kutch. Uh, Bonds is the youngest of those, and he last played for the Pirates in 1992. Mm. So you're talking like a a three-decade window where Kutch was the best outfielder, and that gets him overrated. Yeah, but you kind of see how that gets him overrated, right? This town has just been so desperate for somebody to like... I got no problem. They have somebody to gravitate towards when it comes to baseball, and he was the first one, like you said, in in decades that they could actually look at and say, wow, we have an actual big leaguer, and then he ends up winning the MVP. Now, I said he'd be in the Pirates Hall of Fame. I've also heard the take put out there that he might get his number retired by the Pirates. Do you think that might be going a little too far? It's definitely going too far, but I again, I don't have a problem. Yeah, I would understand if the Pirates you, you, wanted to do they, they, you got to cling to the small pockets of success when your franchise is so moribund. And uh, I wouldn't blame the Pirates for doing it. It's a good night of ticket sales and right. merch. And I wouldn't blame the fans for embracing it. Now, but When Nutting still owns the team 20 years from now and they're losing 100 games perpetually, they'll break Kutch out. They'll dust the cobwebs off of him and sell out the crowd. You know what they need to do? They need to sell the Pirates to Saudi Arabia. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Live Golf bought out the PGA more or less. I, I think if if the Saudis bought the Pirates, then the Pirates would be the best team within a couple of years, don't you think? He'd have the first billion dollar payroll in in Major League history. Look, look at Man City. Yeah. Look at Man City. Now, uh, Kutch this year, at last look, as we tape this, is hitting two seventy two, eight home runs, twenty one ribbies. Not bad. Do you believe he'll play past this season? I think probably, 
but a lot can happen between now and October. If he can stay in the 260, 270 range and keep that OPS over 800, and Pittsburgh wants him back, which I don't see why they wouldn't want him back, especially if it's cheap, then I see no reason why he would want to retire. He's still playing effective baseball. Like The thing that I'm more worried about, Mark, is if the Pirates slide a little bit towards the All-Star break, are they going to be able to ignore the phone calls that they inevitably get on Andrew McCutcheon? Because they will get the tires kicked by teams that are contenders if he's hitting over 800 OPS. I don't think they'll trade him. I, I think that would be one betrayal too many for the fans Oof. with the beloved figure. Uh, I don't think he'd want it to happen. Although maybe he would if he could go to a team. Like if a team got an outfielder or needed a DH, got an outfielder hurt or needed a DH, it had a sure. legit chance to win. Then maybe he would want to do it, but uh, but I think the Pirates are going to stay in contention in, until the trade deadline. At least something we can perceive as contention, given how bad the National League Central is. Yeah, and their hot start to June has really helped start to erase what the disaster of May was. If they can get past the A's in a sweep, it'll be a seven-game over 500 cushion that they have before the Mets come to town over the weekend. Seven games over 500 heading towards the middle of June. I would have never imagined that at the beginning of this season. How they got here is bizarre, but they're here and they're in first place as we record this podcast right now on June 6th. So I don't think that they're going to slide too far back. I think that they'll be in that window of contention at the deadline, but I also feel like that doesn't mean that they're going to go for it either. Like, Oh, I, no, I don't think they're going to trade for Chris no, Archer I don't. or anything like that. <laughs> I hope not Chris Archer. But I, I think they'll stand pat, which will just make the fan base and some of the media stooges go insane. Oh, no, I'm not sure. Anything. I'm not sure. You know what they'll do? They'll call up Henry Davis or Andy Rodriguez. I, I, well, I'm for that if they're ready. But that will satiate the stooge media and the bucko bloggers. What if you trade one of those two? Andy or Henry for like a Paul Goldschmidt or a Big Bad or something like that. in theory, you don't need both. Right, exactly. What, Goldschmidt, is he a rental? I mean, the Cardinals are ass this year. I feel like they might yeah, have to Yeah, but you know, they people. couldn't afford to pay him. If, if his contract yeah, extends true. beyond They'd this have to year. Eat a lot of that. Yeah. I was just saying, though, you know, you need to get a bat at the deadline. I don't, you don't need those two catchers necessarily. I don't think they're going to do that. I, don't, I, I would be for trading one of the catchers, but not for a rental. Uh, you I need don't that think, guy to come in for years. Yeah. I don't think this team is going to arrive this year, no matter what they do at the deadline. I think you still got to slow play it. Uh, and I know with how bad they've been and how long it's been, although really it's it's only been eight years since they last made the postseason. <laughs> that that's short term. That's a a short time, I should say, in in the Pirates realm. But uh, but uh, I thought it meant a lot when they swept the St. Louis series. As we record this, they swept St. Louis. They beat Oakland in the first game of that series. They're on a six-game winning streak. But St. Louis is their bogey team. They tortured the Pirates. And they were down 5-zip in game one Friday. Rallied. Key Brian Hayes actually hit a home run. My God. So I think that series meant a lot. I think the momentum from that will carry on for a bit. Yeah, no question. And the Cardinals were starting to get a little bit of hot, too, in May. They were starting to creep up on that crappy NL Central division. So if they were to sweep the Pirates, which they're used to doing, they would have been right into the hunt for the first place in the division. So it was not only nice to see the Pirates kind of get that bogey team off their back, but also smack them down further in the division standings. Because they were a threat. If, they, if they're like five games around you know, first place come mid-July, August, I'd be worried about the Cardinals. I think any team a lot in, of talent still there. I think any team in the NL Central is a four-game winning streak away from being a contender to win. No doubt. Any team. Uh, but here's my pessimism about the Pirates. How many legit Major League starting position players do the Pirates have? I mean, really, let's say that could that could start for more than maybe 15% of the teams in the Major Leagues. Brian Reynolds and who else? 
Position players. So no DH. You're not going to let me throw Kutch in there as a DH? Because I think he'd be a serviceable DH. No, you can throw that in there. I'd put Kutch in there. I think Santana's probably still a serviceable first base. He's not done much. Defensively, he's solid and he hits like 240, though. So I think, you know, a team that has offense elsewhere. His power's hardly been overwhelming. That's the problem with him. The the corner infield. Nobody nobody wants a fat first baseman who can't hit home runs. The corner infields are just abysmal for the Pirates when it comes to power, despite Hayes' power. They go against the grain of what your expectations are for corner infielders. Sawinski's my wild card. I think Sawinski could find himself in a weaker kind of outfield for some bottom. Feeding teams. I mean, he has an OPS over 800. He's got pop. I well, bet he's saying start. 15%. So, yeah. I think Sawinski would be a big league starter. What about Bay, well. who's on a hot streak? I think Bay has the potential to be a really good player. And I'm actually encouraged with his improvement defensively. He made so many bad errors earlier in the season. Now he's making marvelous catches and the simple catches as well. And. The fact that he's hitting in the 270s. Like, that was my big worry. He's an aggressive base runner. He makes some mistakes, but he he gets his legs moving and that gets the team moving. I was worried that he was going to be like a Billy Hamilton. Remember him for the Reds? Where, like, he was unbelievable. He gets on first. It's a triple pretty much every time, but he barely gets on first. I was worried Bay was going to be like that, but he's proving to me that he gets on base. How about dude from Oakland that leads uh, the majors and steals Ruiz? He gets on in the ninth in game one of that series. And gets caught stealing by Austin Hedges. Austin Hedges won the game. You think Henry Dav- Davis throws him out from no. behind the plate? You no, think Eddie I do Rodriguez not. does. Nope, I do not. Jason Delay, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe, but still, I mean, that's why you have Austin Hedges. Maybe he wins you three or four games just on his defensive merits behind the plate. And there you go. There's one of them right in front of you. Is that the position that you would still? I, I know you say all the time, you know, there's no bat or there's no glove that's worth seventy million dollars with Cabrian Hayes, and I agree with you. Catcher. On that. Catcher is the one where you still lean more defense. Uh, yeah, but not to the degree where Hedges, where Hedges is, is unproductive <laughs> offensively. But but yeah, You're I think cool if like you a can, two thirty hitting catcher who's great. If you got a decent arm and uh, can make a big play like Hedges did last night, and you can handle pitchers, occasional well, home run from yeah, now and again. Yeah. Now you know. Uh, now forget about the position players for a second. After Reynolds and Kutch, you know who their most serious major leaguer is? Is David Bednar. David Bednar could close for just about anybody. He might be the realest guy they have. I think you're right. I think he is the realest guy they have. And again, come trade deadline, that's a guy that everybody's going to want to kick the tires on. And I think you can get a haul for a closer, a guy who only pitches one inning. I love flipping closers at deadlines if you're a team that's kind of You can always find another closer. Yeah, exactly. So I love the prospect of flipping him, even though, you know, hometown kid and the I think he is the best baseball player on the roster. What about Mitch Keller, though? Who has kind of had a little bit of a speed bump the past couple of outings, but the Pirates are picking him up, and he's still seven and one. Yeah, he, he's pretty close to a big league starting pitcher. He'd be like a number three in another yeah, rotation, a number three, yeah. uh, or you know, a number two on a good team. Right, exactly. The, I think that's his ceiling. By the way, number two on a good team. I think you're probably right. I still think this team is is searching for who their ace is going to be when they actually try to contend. By the way, I, I don't know if we talked. Do you watch Ted Lasso? Yes. Okay, are you all the way through it? I finished it all. Okay, and don't, I actually don't, started don't, it over don't, again. Don't, yeah, because I'm watching the first season yeah, right I know. now. You know what that show does that I I can't remember the last comedy that did this. As you know from working with me, I almost never laugh out loud. That's true. Okay, my laugh on the show is phony and forced. Yes, I mean to a despicably uh, sickening level. When you can get yourself, to, when you can get you to real laugh for it, <laughs> you cherish it. You cherish it. See, I made you laugh for real there. No, that's not for <laughs> real. And uh, but but I pop like four or five times so every funny. episode of Ted Lasso. And in fact, and this is a shout out to our friend Brett Michaels because I, I I tweeted this quote. Uh, 
I had to. I always watched Ted Lasso on the treadmill. Right. I had to stop my treadmill and get off because I was laughing so hard when he opened a team talk by saying, uh, "All right, gang, here's the unskinny bop," which of course is the poison song. And Sudeikis's way to just throw that at you, yeah. and then move right on. Like you got to stop and think about it for a second. He's so quick with it. He, and one thing the Ted Lasso character rarely does. He does sometimes, but doesn't laugh at his own jokes. Right. He just keeps moving. It, I knew that whatever you were feeling kind of turned off by with the sappiness level of the show. There's a lot more good than you bad. You were going to save it with the humor because it's just so damn funny. You're pretty decently through season one, right? Almost, I'm in the last episode. So you got to the, the practice speech that they did, the AI practice speech with Jamie Tott, when he was like, we're talking about practice, Jamie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Tremendous, tremendous. The writing is just unbelievable to right. riff on something so classic that everybody knows the reference to, but also make it kind of fresh and, and still, relevant. And it, it wasn't clumsy. No, it, it was wasn't, relevant. It wasn't shoehorned in there. It was great. And it was from the other perspective, too. Like, when AI did it, it was like, I'm a player, I'm a star, I don't need to practice. This is from the coach's perspective, being like, you're the star player, why aren't you out there practicing? Okay, uh, let's go with five guys. Now, we should note that last week you butchered five guys, which is terrible. I feel pretty confident it, about there this There were four movies involved of the five uh, guys that I did not watch. I went kind of right into your wheelhouse on this okay, one good. the take that you always have. These are Will Ferrell side characters. Okay, this is good. roles in movies. Because he is best when he's in a cameo. These or, are no, or, or, or a supporting Or a supporting role, or if it's part of an ensemble cast where he's one of many equals. I didn't put in Old School, which is the ensemble one that I think you're probably referencing right. there. Right. Which his character, Frank. So that was too big for this too list. Too big kind of for this list. Okay, so well, number, fire away. Number five for me is Mustafa from the Austin Powers movies. Number one and number two. I've never seen an Austin oh, Powers movie. Oh my God, we're starting out 0 for 1 already. And that's my fault. All right. You've seen Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, though. Yes, right? of course. So you know Federal Wildlife Marshal Tremendous. <laughs> Tremendous. When he jumps into, like, the Barney set that they're on with the shotgun and just puts a hole right through the Barney-esque oh, character. Movie the Cow. Movie the Cow, yeah. I've never seen the movie, so you got to fill he, in the gap. Is he all right? <laughs> Falls right over with the big hole in his chest. That's not good. I, I can almost quote everything he says in that movie. Well, he's not in it much, right? He's just no. got like a couple side roles. And he's, he's, well, that that that's an ensemble cast. It just, I mean, no, it's not an ensemble cast, but there's so many cameos. It's it's great, like uh, Jason Biggs and uh, okay, nice. And, uh, wait, who played who played the Dawson? To quote, not Mark Paul Gosselaar. Who played Dawson on Dawson's Creek? How can we not know that? I don't know. I never saw Dawson's Creek. Okay, move on while you look it up. What's number three? Number three. I went to the world of television. Ashley Schaefer, Ashley Schaefer BMW for Eastbound and Down. Tremendous. Even though I'm no longer on speaking terms with the inspiration for Ashley right. Schaefer, that is very specific because that is Ric Flair very early in his career with the shortened woo, 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 woo. I can feel it. I can feel it down in my plums. It's uh, James Vanderbeek. James Vanderbeek. How could I forget that? Because I'm getting old and I'll be dead soon. Yeah, okay. So we're two for three. Those are The last two have been excellent. Okay, and then number two and number one are my personal favorites because when you look on like IMDb, he's not even credited for these roles. So he just did this out of the kindness of his heart. Well, I know these. Big Earl and Starsky and Hutch. Oh, that was magnificent. <laughs> and Starsky and Hutch was very... Uh, underrated. The entire time he's just low-key sexually harassing Owen Wilson's character too. Hutch, he's like, why don't you show me your belly button? Not all that low-key. <laughs> Not all that low-key. It looks like, what did he say it looked like? Looks like a big old bowl of oatmeal. With cinnamon on it. <laughs> he pulls out his and he's like, I got a little bit more brown sugar on that's mine. That's right, that's right. That's exactly right. Yeah, that, that was terrific. You know who was very good in there too? Uh, Snoop Dogg is Huggy Bear. 
Also, Jason Bateman as Vince Vaughn's sidekick character oh, that's with right. the mustache, that's right. his, that's right. his evil henchman. Yeah, <laughs> great. When uh, when they see uh, Starsky's car, <laughs> and he goes, Starsky, you just moved up a notch in my book. You at notch one. It's also great when they try to jump the car on the boat at the end of the movie. Right, they just airmail it, and Vince Vaughn's like, "What the fuck?" As the car just flies right. We'll over bleep him. that. We'll bleep that. Number one. Chaz Reinhold, Wedding No crashers. question. What no the question. freak do you want? <laughs> Dude, I almost just nunchucked you. You have no idea how close you came. Ma! Meatloaf! <laughs> it's cliche, but it's great. Died in a hang gliding accident. What an idiot. It's also <laughs> funny when he's like fist bumping at the funeral. Hey, he's honey, like, look at me! I'm dead! <laughs> but he's crying dramatically, and then he goes, hey, catches a guy's like... <laughs> Fist pumping while he's next to the hot chick. No, it, it's it's true. And like, um, it's also great when Owen Wilson says, "You know what? I will have some meatloaf." <laughs> yeah, he's like, I had no idea what he, I thought. He totally, of here. he totally won him over. Totally won him over by doing nothing but just having the chick that he had upstairs walk down. He's like, "That's right, that's there's right." There's cartoons on your TV. You're in a robe. There's nunchucks. I don't know what the hell's going on. I went to pick up a woman at a funeral yesterday. Um, okay, excellent addition to five guys. Four for five. I like it. Um, I want to talk a little more buckos. Uh, attendance for the sweep of St. Louis was per night 24K, 29K, and 23K. Is that good? It's a step in the right direction. It should be a lot better, though, now. I mean, you're in June. School's starting to let out for kids, so you don't have that bullcrap excuse that they like to pedal out in April and May. Oh, the kids still have school. They can't come out on weeknights. That's gone. Uh, the team is in first place. Uh, that should be getting closer to 30000 35000 a night. I mean, there's no excuse for it. Are we a baseball town or not? They're well, giving well, you a see, product to go see, out and that's, watch. That's, like, I'm not blaming the fans for not trusting because that's clearly the residue of how they've screwed the team up for, for the best part of a decade. But can't you kind of start to trust this season? No, Not I even don't. yet? Put it this way. I'm going to my first game Friday of the year. That's probably pretty early for you, though. No, I, I went to two games last year. I, I try to go to one a month, but I don't. I don't okay. try too hard. <laughs> and I am in the Cambria Club boozing it up. But uh, but uh, it, it, the thing is, the Pirates rank 26th in Major League attendance right now. Average crowd of 17.8K. Average crowd last year was 15.5K. But year to year, June to June, I, I've read where they're up 30-some percent. But if you start out minuscule hmm. and go slightly over minuscule, do you rely your evaluation on the percentage or on the raw numbers? If you're the Pirates, you boast the percentage. Because right. then you can just broadcast, look at how great the increase in, in fan attendance is. 30% from this time last year to this time this year. Well, aren't we great? But then you ignore the fact that it's still not over 25000 a game. Uh, my friend I'm going to the game with Friday, he said, well, let's, why don't we go to one of the Oakland games? I go, nah. Not not <laughs> Oakland. I mean, they drew 11.5K Monday for their sixth straight win, the first game of the series against Oakland, but that's Oakland on a Monday. That I, I You get that stuff. Yeah, although then, here was my temptation, though. You're probably going to see a win. Not that that matters that much to me. And it, it'll be an easy in and out. The parking, right, you know, no the there. tickets, right? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, one game I went to, I forget it was last year, two years ago, they were leading the Cardinals by like four in the ninth, and the Cardinals just like hit four home runs. <laughs> like it was just like it was like that. that bang, card, bang! Wham! Bang. A homer! <laughs> wham! Another homer! I think it was the Cardinals. Um, also regarding the crowds, Tom, they're not electric. At least that doesn't bleed through on TV. 
Uh, have you been there this year yet? Been to a couple games this year. I've actually been to a game in Baltimore, too. So I've been following the Bucks on the road quite a bit. But Oh, God. I You went to a Pirates game at Baltimore? Yeah, I was, went to Camden Yards Specifically because it was a Pirates game at uh, Baltimore? Family went to Baltimore for a trip, and it just was a happy accident. Did you go to Jimmy's Famous Seafood? We did not go to Jimmy's oh, Famous Seafood. Oh, you sons of bitches. I'm dead to you, yeah. Went yeah. to the aquarium, though. So we saw... Probably where Jimmy went to hunt for his seafood. No, no, Jimmy. <laughs> you, you got next time everybody. Jimmy's famous seafood in Sabatino's in Baltimore. Um, but yeah, the crowd. It's okay. I mean, people like to do the Joe chant when he's up to bat. Joe, 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 Joe. That can be fun. But you're right. There's no palpable buzz through a full. You know what the chant should inning. be when Connor Joe's at bat? Why is he starting? Why is he starting? <laughs> Why is he starting? And then the other side of the arena could the stadium go because he has to. Because he has to. We got no one else. We got no one else. Well, that's giving an American crowd European credit there. There's no way that we'd be able to pull something like that off here. If Connor Joe can inspire. Then who the freak can? Okay, what do we got for good cop, bad cop? Today's good cop, bad cop are poolside activities. Today's good cop is drink. I just love to drink beside the pool. I don't. I I so rarely sit by the pool. You don't like sitting by the pool, huh? Well, I don't have a pool in, in where I, I sit by the river. Does that count? Oh, absolutely. And I'm like in the shade. Drink I, by the river. I got to be in the shade. You know what I do in Vegas sometimes? I will, like, sometimes they have those cabanas that have shade. I will sit by the pool and drink there. Yes, it's amazing. Yeah, that. Uh, so so in terms of poolside activities, drinking is definitely uh, numero uno. Number one. And then the bad cop is that jag off that's next to you that's listening to the radio. No headphones in, though. Dude, no one wants to hear what you're listening to. And it's bad no music, one, too. Most of the time. It's invariably the Grateful Dead, Bruce Springsteen, <laughs> you 2 and the Foo Fighters, generally. E- even if it's not, you know... I don't need to hear that. Or it's like bad. What's that dance? EM. What's that? What do I call it? <laughs> EDM. EDM. It's bad EDM. <laughs> right. 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 Like we've all dropped acid or Molly. <laughs> You're just trying to have a beer by the pool. Like like uh, like uh, Kendall Royce in the last episode of, of Succession. Yeah, you like to drop Molly and kiss guys. I mean, I'm you know not not at, not at poolside. Not at poolside for sure. Now. Uh, Okay, a, a little bit of Steeler talk because, as we know, OTAs are going on, yeah. and OTAs segue right into minicamp. Mandatory minicamp, yep, next week. How about I heard one of our? Well, I would call it our competition, except you know they're not really saying they were comparing the quarterback matchup in Week One of Purdy against Pickett. That's fourteen weeks away, or whatever it is. I mean, do we even know that it's going to be Purdy too? Well, here's the other thing you too: you could just be wasting so much time on a non-matchup. Here's the thing too. If you talk about that now, what do you do the week before? And the answer is the same you thing. You drill down deeper on the same exact thing. No, you say exactly about. the same thing. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but will Broderick Jones start at left tackle week one at home versus San Francisco against Bosa? No. You don't think he will? I don't think he's going to. I don't think he will either, but keep going. I think it's going to be Dan Moore. Um, you think it should be uh, Jones, right? I lean towards it should be Jones. Yeah. yeah. Why'd mean, you draft him? Exactly. Why'd you trade up? To draft him, you you gave up capital to to get this guy. We've seen what Dan Moore is. He, he looks a little bigger this year. I'm not gonna lie. He looks. I've talked to you know Craig Wolfley out there, and he said he looks better. But Wolf's high on Dan Moore. He in, has in been for OTAs. a while. How can you tell, right? I think it should be Broderick Jones, but I just feel like they're really determined to have Dan Moore be the starter unless he loses the job as opposed to Jones win it. Well, see, I think that Jones will earn the job by week one. I just don't think he's going to play anyway. And they just won't anyway. give it to him? Right. That's the way they do things. Uh, uh, so what will it take, then, for them uh, to make that transition? Like, if they don't do it week one... Maybe Bosa concussing pick. <laughs> right. Like, if they don't do it week one against Bosa, you... Okay, well, Miles Garrett now, week two. Let's let's make the change then. And week three, Max Crosby. Right. Like, well, what are you doing? 
By the way, you know what is it is like? I had somebody say to me last night because I I pick on Kenny Pickett a little bit because I think it's fun. <laughs> I've been told he's a really nice guy. I'm sure he is. Really nice guy. Yeah, you're right. Everybody says that. F him. Um, will Joey Porter Jr. start a cornerback week one at home against San Francisco? I think he will start. I think he has to. Uh, yes. Unless they go with Levi Wallace. I don't think they're going to go with Levi Wallace. I think their dream there is is Pat, Pete, and, and Joey Porter Jr. as their outside guys. And then I think they'll bump Pat Pete in and put Levi Wallace the on slot. the And put Levi on the outside. I, I think so, too. And I think that's a good move. I think, I think it is as well. I think Pat Pete... Just has played all over the place in his career and could adjust easily. You know what people say though? He'll he'll be the reason if they don't do a top. Well, you don't want to disrupt continuity for Pat Pete by blah blah blah. Okay, the guy's played a million years. He's played all over the field. Levi Wallace's clear strength is outside. Who's the Jamoke that they were talking about playing slot? Chandon Sullivan. Chandon Sullivan. Okay, he's yeah. a bum. So let's get our best corners on the field. Yes, agreed. And for those people that'll say that, oh, you don't want to upset Pat Pete by making him do something. He's I don't think he'll have a problem. He doesn't. He's already said in uh, many interviews that I've heard from him on Steelers Nation Radio and other outlets, put me wherever. Like, I am able to play all over the field. So when people inevitably have that take, they're going to be speaking for Pat Peterson and they're going to look like an ass because he himself has come out and said, I'm willing to do that stuff. Now, did you know Troy Polamalu did not start a single game as a rookie? Wow, that's hard to believe. He I was like eight years old, seven years old. It gets so. better. He couldn't beat out friggin' Mike Logan. Oh, well, Mike Logan was a great no, player. No, Mike Logan was pretty good. West Virginia, the pride of McKeesport, he was pretty good. But how can? But he ain't Troy, right? Well, how can Troy not like start by like say week eight? Exactly, and again, that's another example of someone you traded up for to get. So like, it's the same thing as a Broderick Jones thing here. If they didn't put a Troy in and they had the incumbent start pretty much the entire season. Who's to say that they're going to do not to do the same thing for Broderick Jones this year with Dan Moore? And again, I'm not burying Mike Logan. I'm not burying Dan Moore. No. I mean, you know, pretty good players, but I mean, why'd you get these guys? I, but I feel like if you start Dan Moore, you're hurting Dan Moore and Broderick Jones, where if you were to flip the roles... <laughs> you're probably hurting Kenny Pickett. Right. But if you were to flip the roles, I think Jones is a better starter, and then Dan Moore as your swing guy, I think, is a damn good swing guy. If you traded up to get Broderick Jones and he can't beat out Dan Moore during yeah, uh, yeah. OTAs... A training camp and uh, the exhibition games, then you drafted the wrong guy. And then what? Do you- or you're doing what the Steelers always do, not always, but a lot of the time, like with Polamalu, you're automatically slow playing big time rookies, and that's so outdated and it's so Steelers. So are they going to have to put Broderick Jones then as that sixth man, as that swing tackle, if Dan Moore wins the starting job? Because now you're having your first round rookie draft pick become kind of a utility player right out of the gate. Well, no, you know what they would do? They would still have Dan Moore practice at both tackles. Because, like, let's say Chooks got hurt, Dan Moore would swing to right and Jones would go in at left. But what I'm saying is, like, if they go jump, say they're all healthy and Dan Moore wins and they go jumbo, they want to put another tackle out on the field. That's got to be Jones, right? Oh, so he's got to be the sixth man. Don't get me wrong. The idea of him not starting Jones <laughs> is a terrible idea. <laughs> right, exactly. And, and, like, we're talking about now, it overly complicates. Okay, right. Jones, you start more, you're the swing guy. Case closed. Makes it super easy. You're right. But they're going to run all the time anyway. They'll need all the linemen they can get. They have four tight ends. They're going to put two running backs in the backfield at the same time. <laughs> I hope we see that formation at one point this year. Well, uh, now, they're going to cut. You know they're going to cut, right? Do you think they'll put Baby Hayward? No. No, no, no. That's right. Uh, who's the... Big- Gentry. Gentry. They'll cut, they'll cut Gentry because they can't cut Cam Hayward's They shouldn't brother. cut Gentry because being at OTAs, Washington, Fryermuth, and Gentry look like different breeds compared to Hayward as far as a player. Hayward is more versatile. I think he's a... A better athlete, maybe, than everyone except for Pat and maybe Darnell. But size-wise, they sacrifice a lot when they drop down to Connor. What does the O and OTA stand for? 
I think it's organized. Not optional? I think it's organized. Organized team activities. I, I think at one time it was optional. Optional and they cut that out. It's either optional team activities or organized team activities. I would one say, or the other. Like when I signed my contract, even as a rookie, I would say, listen, anything optional, I'm not even going to pick up the phone that week. Okay, so don't call me. I'll be somewhere else. Well, that is it for today. Uh, wait, what? How was I going to close? Uh, all right, gang, that's the Unskinny Bop. I'm Mark Madden. That's Tom Offerman. This is the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. Catch new episodes of Mark Madden Unfiltered every week. Available on the Bet Rivers Network, betrivers.com, and wherever you find your podcasts.